This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. As we're based here in the UK, all times are in GMT. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 5th to the 11th of December. I'm Ezie Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Manny. Now, Paul, last week you did tease that this week might be quite a good week for stargazing. So, what have we got coming up? Well, I mean, you know what they say? They usually say these things come in threes. Well, this this time it's twos, but... <laughs> The moon occults two planets this week. Only one mm. week, two planets. I mean, that is amazing. So, but it'll get even more amazing as we get towards the end of the week. But we start off with an interesting one, which I, I, I'm determined to see. I mean, you know, we, we'll battle the clouds, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the enemy of an astronomer, the clouds. Absolutely, it's the planet Uranus. Now, on December the fifth. So we start off the kicking off the week on December the 5th. We have an occultation of Uranus by the moon and you get to see the whole thing. Now, it does occur in evening twilight, but Uranus is a bright planet. We're not worried about the moons in this particular case because they are quite faint, but Uranus is bright enough to be seen in binoculars but I would recommend using a telescope. And because it's a disc, it does take quite a few seconds to actually disappear. So it's not like a star. A star mm-hmm. will vanish instantly, whereas something like Uranus or any other planet will always take a, it'll be a gradual change, usually a few seconds. We should first say um, an occultation is when a planet or a star appears to disappear behind another celestial object. So in this case, it's going to be the planet Uranus is going to be passing behind the bright moon, um, which is always an exciting thing to see. 
and especially as the actual disappearance is on the dark limb. So mm. you have to really pay attention because what will happen is you can't see the actual limb on that side because it's dark, isn't it? It's, it's experiencing nighttime. So what you need to keep your eye, if you've got a telescope that tracks, you need to keep your eye on Uranus and suddenly you'll start to see there's a bit taken out and then a little bit more and, and it will literally disappear behind this dark limb. So uh, we're looking about, I would suggest from 4.30 p.m. onwards, occultation is about 4.49, 4.50 in the evening, and it will disappear, as I say, at the dark limb. The reappearance on the bright limb is around 5.17 onwards. Now, you've got to bear in mind, times will vary depending where you are in the UK. So that does change the time. Is We always say start at mm. least 10, 15 minutes before and keep an eye on the area where you expect the uh, disappearance to take place and the reappearance as well, because... You know, this is these, you don't want to miss the reappearance. Although I say it'd be gradual, but no, I don't. always like to try to get the very beginning of it when it's a planet. Cause mm -hmm. I say it's several seconds. So you, uh, you know, you just, but it's very difficult on the bright limb because the bright limb will be matching and brighter than the actual planet itself. So, uh, in it, it'll, you'll only suddenly notice it. I think when it's about halfway out. Mm. One of the things I've never been sure of is if it's, something like this where there's an occultation is it better to sort of pre-look at the place on the moon where you think it's going to disappear or is it better to to try and follow the planet or just get into the general area well it depends on whether you've got go to if you've got go to lock it on the planet and then mm. just allow the moon to pass over the view. And so you know, hopefully the center of the view will be where Uranus is. So it will give you an idea and it'll, it'll add to the anticipation and the excitement sort of <laughs> thing, hoping that the actual telescope is tracking properly. And in theory, if you're homed in on Uranus, then as the moon glides by, Uranus should have reappear and you know exactly where Uranus is. But you're right. If you're using a, a manual system, I always think it's better. I think it should make good practice to observe the limb of the moon, say around about half an hour before all these events take place, both limbs, the dark limb and the bright limb, and get familiar with where they expect to come out and identify the craters so you have a good idea where on the limb it will actually reappear and where on the dark limb it should actually disappear. So I think that makes good practice myself. But I say mm -hmm. if, you, if you've got a go-to system, it's sort of, you're almost <laughs> the lazy astronomer. I remember when go-tos came out, it was like, oh, that's lazy astronomer. You should do it practically and find the stars yourself. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a complete convert now to go-to mounts. So um, I have to say I'll probably be cheating and putting it on go-to and just watching the centre of the view. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some times when it's the kind of tracking it down and trying to find it yourself. That's half the fun. Yeah. And there's definitely times when having a system that does everything for you is much better. And, and you can do a lot more with one of those systems sort of thing. You know, you can get through a lot more objects. But uh, I, I agree. I do like trying to find these objects myself sometimes uh, just for the sheer fun of, and to remind me of the good old days. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm beginning to sound old now. Now, the thing about the occultation of Uranus is that it's really a practice run for the big event later in the week. But we'll come to that in a few moments. Now, December the 6th and 7th, we just take our eyes off these occultations for a moment because you can watch the moon pass through the constellation of Taurus. It's heading towards full, which will occur on the 8th, and we'll come to that in a moment. But on the 6th, 
it lies below the Pleiades. Then on the 7th, to the upper right of Mars. This is in the evening. So we're looking around about 7 o'clock in the actual evening itself. So it gives you a guide sort of thing. But the only problem is with, as you've got a, such a full bright moon, it will drown out the vast majority of the Pleiades. Now, the Pleiades are one of those things that I always say to people, see how many you can count. Don't do it when it's <laughs> full moon. <laughs> <laughs> you really want a dark sky to see the individual faint stars of the Pleiades. I suppose that could actually be quite an interesting exercise, you know, to just see what effect the full moon has. You know, yes. try and count it when there's no moon next to it and then try and count it on the full moon and see see the difference. And then you can really sort of learn to appreciate how much the full moon does or doesn't affect what you're seeing. Which, in a way, sort of thing, also illustrates the effect of light pollution, doesn't it? Because mm -hmm. basically the full moon is... I mean, us, us deep sky observers sort of thing, you know, we all oh, know the moon's up, it's light pollution, but we can't do anything about that. But we can do something about artificial light pollution. That's the key. But, yeah, we can't do anything about the moon sort of thing. I mean, you know, we're, we're not sort of like the... Uh, oh, gosh, what, what was that film sort of thing? The, the one before the Minions... And all that lot sort of thing. Grew in. <laughs> oh, Despicable Me. Despicable Me, when he stole the moon. He steals okay, the moon. I mean, you know, I mean, it was a good, I love the film sort of thing, but the, the science, you know, if we got rid of the moon <laughs> like that, the, oh, it'd be terrible sort of thing. And the tides would all be changed and oh gosh, there are all sorts of disasters would happen on the earth. <laughs> I, I know, I know you deep sky astronomers might not particularly like the moon, but we, we it, it does a lot for us. So <laughs> can we keep it around, please? <laughs> exactly. Thank you. But that's, that is a good idea for a project sort of thing. Compare the two deep sky or and especially if you've got a site without any light pollution count the Pleiades mm. and then count how many when the moon's nearby especially if it's close to full and just see how much it diminishes and you lose the fainter stars sort of thing so there we are if anybody does do that please do uh let us know you can find our details over on um www.skyatnightmagazine.com um so let us know what the difference is if you do manage to see that now the excitement. Wow. I mentioned that the moon is to the right of Mars on the evening of the 7th. But this is where it gets exciting because full moon occurs on the 8th in the early hours in actual fact. The key is though, Mars reaches opposition. It is opposite the sun in the sky. That's mm. actually the same definition really as the moon at full. The full moon is opposite the sun in the sky. It's just that we have a different term for it. We call it full moon. But technically, the moon is at opposition to every month. The moon has got to have at least one opposition as such. So it's opposite the sun in the sky. So that's when it's full. And the fact that Mars is at opposition, you know, within an hour of the moon being at opposition, that leads to one really important effect. And the fact is, Mars gets occulted by the moon. I mean, this is so rare. I can't even think of the time that it might happen in the future. We may be looking at yeah. hundreds. We may even be looking at thousands of years in the future before something like this actually happens at the point of opposition for both the moon and Mars. That's why I think this one is so exciting. And that, you know, it's one of those that, you know, you, you have it. We have a lot of landmark events to look forward to and betraying my age i can always remember looking forward to the <laughs> 1999 solar eclipse oh my gosh it's 22 years ago 23 in fact oh my goodness <laughs> i mean it gosh, is <laughs> you know but I, yes. I can remember as a boy looking forward to that and wondering where i'll be ended up in devon and it was cloudy <laughs> 
Classic, yeah. isn't it? So, mm-hmm. you know, but this is one of those other events. We have various events that we look forward to. And Mars Opposition on December the 8th, 2022, at the same time as it gets occulted by the moon, is one of those rare events. You, you've got to try and see it. You know, no excuse, right? As we tell everybody, no excuse. Every single listener, you are ordered to listen, to watch <laughs> this event. <laughs> Not that we can order you to do these things, but you know, this is, this is one of those, it really, it is an unmissable event. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so rare that it's worth having a go at. So as the moon occults Mars, it takes about an hour. So it's nice and, conv- I mean, how easy is this? Except one thing. It's in the morning sky. I know. Oh, come on. You've got to set an alarm, haven't you? Izzy? You've got to set an alarm. I think this is one where it is worth getting up at, at stu- silly o'clock in the morning. And and trying to observe this one, I'd definitely be up at around about half past three, no later than four. I mean, the occultation is about four fifty-seven. Remember, the timings do vary mm. slightly, and it takes around about thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six seconds, depending on your location, for Mars to disappear. So it gives you an idea of how big Mars is. I mean, with Uranus, it was just a few seconds. But Mars, we're talking about, you know, half a minute effectively, really, aren't we? Mm. And so, you know, it will take a while. Now, it'll be fascinating if you can see any albedo features at the time to watch them being occulted as well. Um, it's, I've, I've mm. never seen this. I, I've seen occultations of Saturn and Jupiter, but I've not seen an occultation of Mars. So I'm fascinated by this. So I can't wait for it. So you do need to have an early night. Uh, get plenty of time to get ready. So, you know, don't leave it until sort of like 10 minutes before and then think, oh, look, the sky's clear. I'll go out, get out, get ready, whether you're visually observing it or whether you're photographing it sort of thing. And, and as you know, as we always encourage people to, to write in if you see this, because this is such a, an unusual event. Absolutely. So this appearance occurs or the begins around 4.57 a.m., and uh, Mars is now 17.2 arc seconds across, so it takes about 34 to 35 seconds to disappear. Reappearance is about an hour later. I mean, that's pretty convenient, I have to say. I mean, that, that makes the timing a lot easier. And again, much like we said for Uranus, if you're using a go-to telescope, get it locked on Mars and then just allow the moon to drift through the view. I mean, that's fascinating enough, knowing that in theory you're looking at the position for Mars and you can see then the real motion of the moon as the moon drifts through your field of view, and then Mars will start to become uncovered. So about an hour after the occultation takes place. Now, the reappearance is actually at the bright limb, but because we're full moon, both events take a place at the bright limb. There is no dark limb with it being Mm. full moon. So that'll be an interesting contrast. But Mars is a bright planet. We're not talking about a star that can be overwhelmed by the actual uh, light of the moon. Normally, sort of, we wouldn't recommend occultations when it's full moon, in actual fact, because it makes it harder to see that disappearance. But we're dealing with a planet, aren't we? So mm-hmm. there we are, sort of thing. Keep an eye out for this. It shows you the regularity of the clockwork of the solar system, doesn't it? Absolutely. And you, you did mention there that Mars is, is quite a, a bright planet. It's, in fact, a naked eye planet. Is this something that you would be able to to see with the naked eye as well, though obviously not in as much detail. Um, you'll be able to notice the moon getting closer and closer. And the question will be, if you watch it with the naked eye, if you've got nothing else, then fair enough, watch it with the naked eye 
and you'll see the moon creeping closer and closer to Mars. And then judging the point when it disappears, it'll be interesting because Mars should fade sort of thing rather than disappear as a star would do. So that'll be the interesting thing. And then if you keep an eye on around about the right time, just wait for this star to emerge from the other side. So you should be able to see something. Obviously, mm. we'd always recommend binoculars or a telescope for an event like this. But if you've got nothing yeah. like that, still look, have a look. It'd be amazing to watch this star, this red star, which we know is a planet, actually disappear behind the moon and reappear. Yeah, that, that is always the possibility. You can you can always watch it with, with your eyes. Um, we'll also have live, I'm sure we'll have a live stream um, that will be having a nice detailed view as well. That'll be on our website, skynightmagazine.com. Um, so do be sure to check there. Uh, we also have a lot of guides in the December issue because funnily enough, this kind of once in a lifetime event was something that, that we thought you guys might like to know about. So we have lots of detailed guides about, you know, capturing it on camera, where to look and, and how to, to make sure that you make the most out of this event and don't miss a thing. And finally, let's get back to something boring. Oh dear, back to normal now. Finally, for the week, the ends with the waning gibbous moon forming a triangle with Castor and Pollux in Gemini on the late evening of the 10th. So we're back to normal after this sort of thing. This is, this is the week for really observing but you know we're we're back to normal now and it's back to the normal events with the moon and the stars themselves but i still find them fascinating and hopefully if it's clear you'll be able to see them as well thank you very much paul that sounds like it's going to be an absolutely incredible week in terms of stargazing on the 5th of december you've got the occultation of uranus as the planet appears to disappear behind the moon then we have two days where the pleiades will have the moon coming by on the 6th and mars on the 7th and then of course the show-stopping event on the 8th of december is the mars occultation that's the one that you really want to set in your diaries and get up in time for to go and see then finally, on the 10th, we have Castor and Pollux forming a triangle with the moon. If you do manage to capture any of those incredible events that we talked about, please do let us know. You can always reach us at contactus at skyatnightmagazine.com. We always like to hear from our listeners. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.